If you're struggling to lose weight, you've probably heard about weight loss medications like Wigovi or ZepBound, and you might be wondering if they're right for you. Meet Plush Care, a leading telehealth provider with doctors who are there for you day and night to partner with you in your weight loss journey. If you qualify, they can safely prescribe you medication from the comfort of your own home. To get started, visit plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. plushcare.com slash weight loss. Get up to 30% off wedding jewelry at bluenile.com and remember the joy of your wedding day forever. Blue Nile offers everything from diamond and lab-grown diamond wedding bands to classic pearls, earrings you can design yourself, even gorgeous sapphire pieces for your something blue. Whatever you choose, Blue Nile's pieces are all graded for excellence, for a lasting memento as brilliant as the love that inspired it. Right now, get up to 30% off at BlueNile.com. BlueNile.com. Insane in the Membrane. Hello and welcome to another edition of your favourite podcast, Insane in the Membrane, with me, Rich Wilson. And this week I'm joined by comedian and author, Adam Bloom. Hello. Hey, thanks for having me. Dude, it's our pleasure. We should have done this a long time ago, but this is perfect timing. Now you've got this excellent book out. Are you well? Are you good? Yeah, I'm really well. I, I feel I've got to tell you my insane in the membrane story, though, before we start. Yes, please. I sold drugs to Cypress Hill once. Did you? What? Yeah, I don't think. Um, <laughs> yeah, I don't think this counts as a, an arrestable uh, offence. So, if the police are listening, this hear me out first. <laughs> um, um, uh, uh, 1994. I was just starting doing open spots, very new comedian. And um, a friend of mine was doing a painting and decorating job in a very smart hotel. Yeah. And he saw Be Real from Cypress Hill with the big hair. And they had all tour jackets on with Cypress Hill on the back. And there's a line from uh, Hits from the Bong. That's yeah. skunky, funky, smelly green shit. So he went, hey, guys, you want some smelly green shit? Just as a joke. And they went, yeah, yeah. <laughs> We've had all our stash taken off us at Amsterdam. They got caught with it in Amsterdam. So... Um, he rang me on my Mercury one-to-one phone with the free calls after 7pm, the floppy aerial. Yeah. And um, that like, almost the first ever mobile phone, not quite, you know, but like two years into it all. And um, I lent him the money, so I didn't do anything. So you can't get me on that one, please. <laughs> I lent someone money. And um, we then went backstage, Brixton Academy. I had tickets for the next night anyway, because I'm a big fan. Yeah. We went backstage... And there was another two rap groups, Lords of the Underground and Funk Dubious, who wow. were up and coming at the time. And yeah, and then my friend and I, we two middle class white boys turned up at this, all these rappers from LA, just just sorted everyone out with the weed. Uh, again, I was only next to him when he did it, and I don't I don't remember his son anymore where he lives. Anyway, so um, yeah, so so anyway, then I stood back side stage where Beer Real were bouncing around doing his thing. And he'd stand next to me and I'd go, oh, that was great, man. He'd go, yeah, I'm not really feeling it. Now, I'd only done like two gigs, so I didn't know what not feeling it meant. You know, right. to perform when you're not in the zone. And um, just, well, I'm standing next to people. Then we went back to his hotel room and had to wait for the um, the money. And we just sat at the end of his bed with a girl next to him in the bed. And we wouldn't leave. We were like, so, well, when's the next album coming up? We were so what? oblivious to the fact that we weren't wanted. We were so oblivious to the fact we weren't wanted. We just sat there talking. And um, in all fairness, he did. In, in all fairness, he did owe my friend money. But you know, as a as an older man now, I'd have the social skills to wait in the lobby. <laughs> <while he's>, uh, <laughs> yeah. yeah. 
<laughs> so, so you yeah. sold drugs. Uh, well, you were you were next to somebody that sold drugs to Cypress Hill, and you cockblocked them at the same time. Well done. <laughs> yeah, but also I was I also by, by B real having my number because no one had mobiles at the time. He was able to call me to arrange it, so I was implicit in the situation. Yeah, 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 mate. Oh, uh, by the way, by the way, I made all that story up as well. It's all fiction. You're fucking kidding me. No, but the police need to know that. Oh, I see. Sorry. <laughs> For this whole story, I'm going, please, 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 please. It's 1994. <laughs> I didn't. Yeah. Mate, I think. It's a good fictional story, isn't it? It's a good fictional story. It's a very it? good fictional story. Well, this just goes to show what a great writer you are. <laughs> ah. <laughs> or, or, or an awful accomplice. Yeah. Might have a great writer, awful accomplice. This is how they all. This is how. This is how they get the big. Go- it's how they get the big boys because they get to a point where they think they're comfortable and they think they're in the clear. And then, boom! Someone slips up in a restaurant. Someone slips up on a podcast. You're bang to rights, mate. You're done. So I'm, uh, I'm the new Mister Nice. I'm the new Mister Nice. <laughs> and you are very nice, Adam. Are you? Uh, how are you? Are you? Right? I'm not seen you for a while. I'm very well. I, the, the, you know, I spent eight months writing a book, and yeah. then I spent the last seven weeks promoting it, and it's really fun. And then I've done loads of writing work as spin-offs from the book, even in other countries. So it's it's very, as you know, Zoom Zoom makes the world smaller, doesn't it? Yeah. And um, yeah, but just maybe, but I'm still, you know, I'm still gigging just as much. So I've I've never been. I don't think I have. I haven't been this busy since probably like 1999. Brilliant. That's so good to hear, yeah. man. Because having like you and I have been friends for a long time, and I've seen you go through all manner of ups and downs, and it's nice to see you having an up. It's lovely. It's so lovely. Oh, thank, thank you. Um, <laughs> Not that you I'm haven't also, had any before. I'm also no, but I'm also I'm also friends with the mother of my children, which is a lovely thing to come out the other end of, and yes. you know. So yeah, I'm, I'm in a happy. I'm in a happy place. I'm in a happy place. My dad died last year, and I've had to deal oh, with mate. that. And my stepmother died five months before him. Well, that's probably why I started writing the book. So I, I need to some kind of escape from all the, you know, all the bad things you go through. It's very. If you, if anyone's listening or watching who has an idea for a project like writing a book, you you once you get the first few thousand words out of the way, you're just absorbed in it. You live in that world. And really? I, my happy place was, was yeah, you you got a relationship with the screen and there's a there's a program for Mac called Vellum, V E L U M. And it lays everything out like a book as you're writing it. You can even see what it looked like on Kindle or iPhone or iPad and or or book page, you know, paperback. And mm. you you can choose all different variations of how you want to present it. And you can drag pictures into it. But the point is you only pay for it once you upload it to a PDF to be put on Amazon. Uh, so it's free until you buy it, you know what I mean? You, it's oh. free until you decide you want to use it. And then it's like 250 quid. And then you just go click, turn it into PDF, get the cover design PDF as well, send it to Amazon. You have to understand your way around the site. Mm. But no one's, you know, there's no one in the way. It's, it's, it's a bit like YouTubers don't need a TV company to put stuff on. Yeah. Site. You know, there was a time when there were four channels and you had to get in with them. Yeah. And now anyone you're only limited by your own imagination laziness really because you know these people on instagram who become instagram stars it's the same with publishing you don't have to have a publisher you don't have to have a tv production behind you you just have a a camera and an idea and a youtube channel or instagram account and it's the same with writing a book you know you can't make excuses now 
No. You write a book and you get it online. And it's your job to promote it, either with, uh, if it's after gigs, or if it's book talks or advertising. I spent a lot of money on that. I spent more money on advertising than I spent making the book exist. Bloody hell. Really? Yeah. Yeah. That is amazing. That is amazing. Because I thought you just have to find a publisher and you just have to someone has to okay that the book should exist. And, you know, but you just, you just no. amazing. Amazing. And it's taken off as well. It's become very quickly one of the go-to books in comedy i would say it's 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 incredible it, out of all the people that should have ever written a comedy book absolutely you should because you're just you're just so you just understand comedy on a such a fundamental level that you should there's people that have written books and i said this to you in a whatsapp message that they didn't even make it to like sort of paid gigs and you're like how can you tell anyone about yeah. anything I got mixed feelings about that one. Um, I think, like, if you only do stand up for five years, then there's a whole new layers under the surface you haven't explored. Yeah. So you can't possibly know about them. Um, on another level, I think there are some people who are better teachers than they are practitioners of something. Oh, maybe. Yeah. And, um, yeah. Yeah. You know, Bruce Dessau did a review of my book and he said, You might be thinking, why isn't Adam selling out stadiums? And he said, Well, there are plenty of golf champions who've got coaches. Who are not golf champions? So yeah. they're, you know, they're, they're. So I think, you know, there's. I, I'm defending these people. And on another level, it's like if I want to read a book on something, I want to read a book by someone who still does it, or at least did it for a long time. But there are, you know, um, the, the Sally Holloway's book is is very very uh, respected amongst comedians, and she didn't do it for that long. But I do, you know. So I'm not just trying to be gracious here. I think that you can be better at teaching something that you are doing it. However, I think 29 years is a lot of knowledge to be able to get in one, in yeah, one book. Absolutely. And you've managed it. Uh, it's it's incredible. But as you say, but it's, it's. I mean, did you have the idea for the book before? Or was it just, like you say, you needed something because you lost your, your dad and stepdad? Was it already there or you were just like, kind of, I just need to do something? And then just channeling all your energy into that helped you through the grieving process? Um, it was no during lockdown three. I was part. I was a member of Clubhouse, a social media app. I don't know if you were on it. You weren't. Were you? I know of it. Yeah. Um, it was great, and it changed my lockdown three because I found a community and a new tribe almost. And there's a guy called Aidy Lloyd, who's a very good friend of mine. He's a magician, and he said, "You got to write a book. You were walking book. You got to write a book." And he kept pushing and pushing, and I kept ignoring it. And then one day in Clubhouse, in a room, so it's like an audio app. It's like live chat rooms, really. Um, there were about 12 people in the room and he went, Adam's writing a book, everyone, which was so clever because now I look stupid when I uh, yeah. they go, how's the book going? I go, and of course I could say, no, I'm not, shut up. But I didn't. And the first person to comment on my book asking what it was about was Erica James, who wrote Fifty Shades of Grey. She happened to oh, be in wow. the room. What a lovely, what a lovely omen when the first person in the world who says, <laughs> what's your book about? has sold 165 million books. Yeah, fantastic. What a lovely omen. Yeah. yeah. And she's been supportive as well. She's, she's tweeted about it as well for me. Oh, that's lovely. That's See, I had no idea that Clubhouse was like that. I'd heard about it, but I just I just didn't get involved. I think I think I just a lot of I think I shut myself off quite a bit in the especially in the second lockdown because I was going through some uh, breakup and shit. So I kind of just shut off and just exercised a lot. I just used to walk miles with my headphones on. Yeah, that's a good way. I, I, I run twice a week and I upped it to four times a week during lockdown just to 
I, I did shorter runs to, so I wouldn't, you know, burn out. But yeah, exercise is what kept my mental health intact. I looking back on it, I don't know how we got through it. I didn't work for five months. I don't know how we got through it. No, I have, I have, when there's certain songs now. One came on the other day, and it I got the smells and the feeling immediately came back of me. You need, you need to clean. You need to clean your record player. <laughs> it was on. It was on Spotify. I was out, and uh, it, it, and it turned up, and I just it genuinely stopped me in my tracks, and I was like, fuck, I've not listened to this since since I was walking around Victoria Park, going over. What was the uh, song? Uh, it was a, it was a remix by Goldfrap, and it's quite a sort of a dancey sort of banging tune. Uh, I think it's called Slide In, and it's a real tune. And I hadn't listened to it since. You know, then. I'm a bit. Sorry. Oh wait, you know I'm a massive hip hop. You know I'm a massive. I do fan know you're a massive hip hop fan, and that um, is something a, that surprised me. Um, well, there's a rapper called J Cole, um, and I think he's the most philosophical rapper around, and he's got a track on an album called 214 2014 Forest Hills Drive, and the track's called Love Yours, but Yours is spelled Y O U R Z. Love Yours, and it's a track about being grateful for what you have mm. and how he looks back and thinks he was happier when he wasn't successful and when he wasn't rich. And it, it, I just, it was my anthem for lockdown, but I really wanted it to be the world's anthem for lockdown because it's such a positive message. I was walking down the street during lockdown, this guy with his car uh, windscreen down playing that song. and I wanted to walk over to him and go, this is my anthem for lockdown. Um, and it, I, I just urge people to listen to it. But my mum doesn't like hip hop and the in this record I played it to my mum I sent it a link to her and she wrote back and said I hated it now Jay Cole uses the n-word as casually as the word bloke this right. bloke this bloke this bloke 17 times in that record I think it was oh my god so my mum said that word made me feel uncomfortable because my mum only associates that word with with hatred yeah so what I did was I copied and pasted the lyrics online and I changed the n-word to bloke I know it's one syllable it doesn't scan perfectly but the, I sent it back to her as a poem so she could hear every word and not hear that word. Mm. And she wrote back and said, it's beautiful. Ah. All it took was taking one word out and her being able to hear every word. Because, you know, most rap, you can't hear every word. You know, yeah. I, I'd say Eminem's very clear with enunciating, but most rap, you know, you've got to listen to it a few times. And even then, you still won't hear every word unless you Google it. So, yeah, it's just beautiful that uh, uh, she saw it as a poem with no, you know, horrible words in it to her. And she loved it. But yeah, love yours. I, I am happy that I'm sending that message out today. Because it's <laughs> such a beautiful record. Beautiful record. Yeah, I've never heard it. I, I, no, I don't think I have. I don't think I have. Well, the, the chorus is no such thing as a life that's better than yours. And he repeats it. No such thing as a life that's better than yours. Just that sentence is philosophy. Yeah. Yeah. No such thing as a life that's better than yours. And um, you might go, oh, if you're skin and you're ill and you're sick and your parents are dying and, da -da -da, and someone's healthy and they're rich. Yeah, I would say at that moment in time, they've got a better life than you. But the idea is that, you know, the, the change in your surroundings and wealth and, and circumstance doesn't really mean much is necessarily changing. I mean, a, yeah. um, one stadium filling comedian said to me, I've had all this success and all this wealth. I'm no happier. Wow. That's true. And it's hard. It's hard for us to imagine. It's hard to us to imagine. You know, if you've got some not not financial worries, but just the fact you go, you know, I'd like a new car, but I can't afford one. I have to cope with the one I've got. I'd like this, I like that, or oh, my mortgage payments are, are going to be behind if I don't get paid for the money I'm owed, or whatever. 
But the bottom line is that the sentence, no such thing as a life that's better than yours, I think is really, really thoughtful. Yeah, it's true as well. It, and as you say, it's on the whole, like on the whole, because we've all got ups, we've all got downs, on the whole. I mean, I I had this moment the other day. I was just sat, I was sat in my flat and we've had to we've had to get a smaller flat because we, we were living in Brighton, but we couldn't afford it. So we've got this smaller flat now. We're living Worthing for a bit. And... I was just so, and we were always, we we're always joking because we can't both fit in the kitchen at the same time. It's more like a galley, and then we were, you know, everything in its place and a place for everything. And we, and I was just, I felt there was a moment I felt bad. I'm like, oh, we haven't got, we just haven't got space. We need some space. And I sort of sat on the sofa and looked, and I was like, actually, this is actually pretty cool. We're all right. She's doing really well. The baby's doing really well. My lads are doing really well. It's all right, you know. It's all right, and we live by the sea. Come on, you know. And it all sort of changed. It was lovely. Yeah, it's great. It's great. I mean, look. The, this is going to sound like a humble boast, but the unhappiest I've been was living in a five-bedroom house. Yeah, and that's that's you know that's that's just a fact. It's funny, isn't it? And that's not a humble. That's not a humble boast. No, it's, no, no. Um, it, yeah, I, I'm, I'm. Yeah, I, we we were in a two-bedroom flat in central London, and. Um, sold it and bought a big house in the suburbs and just I my circumstances got un, more and more unhappy there's no point I went I got three spare rooms this is great didn't 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 think that for a second I mean you can be walking you could be in a mansion walking past Picasso's on your way to the front door unhappy because you're not getting on with your partner that's yeah. it what was the Picasso going to do as you walk past Picasso you don't go oh miserable this is not I'm not getting on did oh Picasso it's just a background thing you know paintings are just things to make walls look more attractive that's all they are really and <laughs> um, you're not walking you're not walking past a Picasso and thinking oh I've got Picasso as you as you walk also if you walk past Picasso a hundred times you get used to it being there anyway yeah that's another thing about success you get used to your you know I, I, I supported Russell Peters um Talking about people who's had a relaunch of their career, he's been going 19 years when he got big. Wow, 19 years of doing clubs or whatever. Yeah, and he rang me up. We're not we're not close, but I, I, you know we're friends. And he rang me up and said, "It's all taken off. It's all taken off." And I've been going 19 years. How's this happening at 19 years in? Then I supported him at Hammersmith when he was used to doing big rooms. So I was at three and a half thousand. Mm. And I'm backstage, about to go on. He appears. You know this. You know the reason this show's existing. He wanders backstage. And I said, how does it feel doing three and a half thousand seats every night? And he said, mm, just get used to it. And that's yeah. the thing. Anything you get, you know, you, you, when you're an open spot, you wouldn't, you know, you fantasize about doing paid gigs in big clubs. You turn up at a big club to do it. You don't think, oh, I'm being a big, big club. That's what you're used to doing. And that applies to wealth. It applies to lifestyle. applies to pretty much everything around you. You know, if you drive a, a, a Tesla, a souped up Tesla, the first 20 times you get in it, you accelerate 0 to 60 in two seconds and eventually that's just what you do isn't it just yeah. just your life yeah yeah I've, i remember talking to someone else about that and they just said yeah you just can't you get to a point you don't see all those people out there in front of you you just see like the front but you just kind of just doing your thing and you're in a bigger room and you just like you said you get used to it and and like you say you don't see the picasso on the wall anymore you just you're just more worried about the fact that your missus is annoyed with you. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. It's so um, true, man. Well, there's a, and, a, and there's so many other things that money can't, you know, money can't buy trust, money can't buy health, um, and money can't buy good chemistry between people. So, it, you know, I, I would imagine there's a, as many new problems it causes as as get as ones it gets rid of. Nothing about having a nice car is 
Everyone else gets to see it apart from you. I've always thought that. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. You only you only get to see it from the walk from your drive to the car or wherever you are to the car. I think you should do that walk really slowly so you can actually see the car and then you get the car and everyone else goes, oh, look at that car. It's like, you know, it's almost like when people look amazing, you know, they go to the gym, they they eat well, they wear really nice clothes and let's say it's a girl in a really nice outfit and a short skirt and wonderful makeup and groomed hair. Or that some tramp on a bench could go, ugh. <laughs> <laughs> and it's like, wow, he got more out of this than you did. <laughs> but I, and that's the other thing as well. I have, I don't, I've stopped sort of looking in mirrors because I don't like, I don't look like how I think I do. I've I get, start with the shirt. The shirt's great. Look at it. <laughs> um, I I don't look in the mirror because I don't want to. I don't need to know what I actually look like. I have this idea, and I'm like, that'll do. That's what that's what people think. I think that's what I look like, so, you know. Oh, well, I can that's tell good. you from the other side, you're looking good. You're looking good as you are. Great, great hair suit. So, salt and pepper suits you. Thanks, mate. Yeah. I feel better now than I did when I was younger. I always felt a bit... I never felt attractive. I feel more... I think I'm more confident now than I was when I was younger. Do you know what I mean? I feel better yeah, now. I, 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 I was 47 before I liked my looks. Yeah. I really yeah. was. 47 years old. That's a long, that's a lot, long, lot of low self-esteem. <laughs> and then actually, but now I'm this, I'm this sexually confident 52 year old. Yeah. But I, I, I say 47 before I liked my looks. Yeah. It's a long time to grow into your looks. I mean, it's going, grow into liking your looks, but that's a long time. I'm quite an odd looking bloke, right? With his big old intense eyes. <laughs> just the way you're sitting against the big camera. Grubby <laughs> lips. Grubby lips. Now, what is it you describe yourself as in your set? What did you say? Is it Tom, or not Jason Statham? No, no, no. So when Tom Hardy has a film out, yeah. I get it shouted at me. So whenever he's big, I don't, I don't, I don't like those lookalike jokes. But I, I'd, I'd say, you know, I look like an ugly Tom Hardy. But I, I would try and throw it into a story so i'd be yeah. telling a story about having my uh, pavement artist doing my drawing in in paris and say you know look nothing like me look, look more like an ugly tom hardy so it's at least it's within another bit rather than going hello i look like tom hardy but i was at the manchester comedy store on stage a full house 500 people and someone shouted out bane which is a character tom hardy <laughs> yeah. played in one of the uh, batman films, right yeah the room's in the, the room's in stitches and i'm the only one pretty much who doesn't know what he's talking about and um someone googled it and Put, you know, he had that thing on his face like that. That's it. And someone Google imaged it and showed it to me. But it was, I had no idea who Bane was. It was really weird. But then, you know, then Tom Hardy would do the uh, that legend film about the craze and, and and other films. And it got to the point now, it's like, I someone would go, do you know who you look like? I go, yep. They go, go on, then who? <laughs> Almost like, all right, all right, smart ass. I'll go, Tom Hardy. And the other one I got was um, when Lionel Messi was playing uh, in, in one of the major games, I didn't even follow football, but fine no. or whatever. I got two two texts and one tweet in the space of fifteen minutes saying, "Oh my god!" Because we're the same height and build as well. You know, right. he's quite he's about I'm five seven. I'm quite small. Frame. I'm not. I'm. I know I'm sort of chunky, but I'm small frame. And um, I got three, and, and I put, did a tweet something like, "If anyone, if anyone texts me saying I look like." Uh, Lionel Messi, I'm going to block him. And this woman went, "Okay, give us, give us your number then." 
<laughs> it's, it's a good answer, isn't it? Yeah, it's great. <laughs> but you have, you've gone through so many changes. When I first met you, yeah, like you said, you were living in your in your flat in up near Victoria. And then and then you went off and you got married and then and then there was that breakup. And then you were sort of bouncing around here, there and everywhere. I mean, you've had quite the that must be in the last well, I've not how long have I known you? I've known I've been doing comedy twenty years now. So wow, really? Yeah. Really? Next next October wow. will be twenty years as a comedian. Wow. Yeah. Well, well. Wow. Um so that what's that? So I must have it must be like fifteen years that all this stuff has happened to you. Yeah, yeah. No, I'm, 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 my marriage fell in two two thousand fifteen, and uh, uh, you know if you if you've got children with somebody and you and you move out, it's it's, it's crippling. Yeah, it's emotionally crippling. And um, I felt there was a stage where I had a Vietnam veteran thousand yard stare when I felt like you know I've just gone through this. Nothing felt like nothing can break you if you've survived that. Um, I'm sure there are other things that can be thrown at you. But, yeah, it's a tough one. And also having to be funny throughout that, you know, going on stage and so, especially when my persona is ex- excitable and uh, there's a joy of life within what I do. It's yeah. mischievous and it's funny. It's not like, you know, if you would like, let's say, Jack D and your comedy was cynical, then if you were going for a bad time, I would imagine it wouldn't be as hard to get in the mindset of doing what you do because you are going on. I remember John Maloney said he has his best gigs when he's in a bad mood. All right, yeah, yeah, I can see that. Yeah, I've had that. So you know, right? So if you're, yeah, I thought you'd been happy lately. <laughs> it gigs have been shit. <laughs> uh, so yeah, so so um, so yeah, so you know, but life's you know tapestry of life. I was I was talking to, I can't say it was because they went to talk about going to prison, but it was a comedy promoter, and they went to prison. Oh wow! As a business person. As a business person, they committed a crime as a business person. They went to prison. And I said, God, that, was that horrible? And he just went, no, it's part of the tapestry of life. Wow. And that's the, the phrase tapestry of life. I'd never heard that. But, you know, all these little things. Mm. There's a Beastie Boy line, MCA, my favourite Beastie Boy, who died about 10 years ago. There's a very simple line in the song, life comes in phases, take the good with the bad. And, like, you know... When you do get a knock, I mean, you know, my idea of hell is going to prison. Mm. Maybe I'd meet some friends and I'd enjoy it. Who knows? Most things you dread aren't that bad. But but it just was interesting that they didn't have any regrets about going to prison because it was a little phase and they they went through it. You know, and, you know, there are chapters in your life, aren't there? My my chapter right now is 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 writing a book and and seeing the spin-offs of that, and it's very exciting. You know, I'm 52 years old and I've 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 written a book and it's selling. It's a fit 16 percent of the sales in America. Wow. Right now. Wow, it's such a good book, mate. Honestly, I, I did. Funny enough, mentioning prison, I remember when I got in trouble, and I just happened to. I can't remember what we were. Maybe we were, we were gonna go. I can't remember why, but we ended up. We were in, I ended up on the phone to you, and I was going through. I, I got into trouble, and I the, it was borderline whether I might go to prison for a bit. Really? Yeah, really? I got I got in trouble. I punched someone who called my ex-wife a fat I know all about it. Yeah. So I got I, I was know, getting I done for a, yeah, I was getting done for assault. And and I remember just by chance speaking to you. And you were so you you really you put my mind so at ease because I genuinely was like, right, my career's over, everything's fucked. I'll never come back from this because you do, you just assume everything's over. 
you know, and you were great. You really, you really helped me out through that, that just, it was just that one conversation. And, and that would have been, you know, you were going through your own shit. And yet you had a moment and you were like, yeah, well, listen, mate, listen, this is what, this is what we'll do. And you were fucking great. Even though you were dealing with your own stuff. Yeah. Thank you. Well, maybe maybe dealing with my own stuff made me have more empathy for you. But the thing is, I think that if someone says that word to your partner, bringing in, bringing in size into it, in fact, and that word, you know, the the number one top swear word combined with an insult to your shape or size. Yeah. um, I think that most people would say, yeah, that's a punchable offence. Like, violence is wrong. Violence is wrong. Yeah. But there are certain situations where you go, you know, if you're racially abused, you're the only black person in a town of white people and someone racially abuses you and you turn around and you punch them, a lot of people are going to go, yeah, I can kind of see why you did that. Like, yeah. violence is, I think we all agree violence is wrong. Um, but there are occasions like defending somebody else's honour, a woman's being insulted by a man. Even that, the C word from a man to a woman, that's a pretty big one, isn't it? Yeah. And um, no, I kind of, no, I'd have probably punched him too. <laughs> I did tell him to apologise. I did say, you need to, you need to, you need to take that back. And he went, well, she is. And then I just lost it. Um, but yeah, but that's what I mean. Like, it just goes to show, I was talking about this last night. You know who you are, how, when, when the shit hits a fan and how you react, that's who you are at your purest level. Do you know what I mean? And you were, you know, you had your own shit going on. We ended up having a conversation and you didn't even flinch. You were just going, all oh, right, okay. And, and we were having a, we had a brilliant chat. And that's who you are as a person. And I like that. And there's loads of people I know. Most people I know are like that. If, if it really, when it really comes down to it, you know, they're all, they're there for you. There's very few people in my life where I could say, oh yeah, I'll probably won't, I'll I, I, I probably won't trouble these, those people with this, you know, just people, I, most people are pretty cool. Most people in general are pretty cool, do you feel? Yes, I think human beings are good people. I think if you stop at strange and ask some directions, they jump to be able to help you. That's that's my gauge. Oh, yeah, I can help. Okay, left there, down the bottom, and it's right there. Yeah. Um, it's the ones who say, or you can go another way. They, those people need to die. <laughs> or the ones that say, oh, I had this in Luton, and I said, do you know where the wherever it was I was going? And he went, yep, and just carried on walking. <laughs> That's funny. That made that's me funny. laugh. You got there. That's funny. That's, <laughs> I suppose the same would apply if you've got the time. You've got the time. Yep. <laughs> oh, yeah. Thanks for checking on me. Yeah. Yep. Thanks, I've mate. I've got a watch, a phone, and a girlfriend. Yeah. <laughs> you just sort your life out, mate. Anyway, bye. <laughs> <laughs> Actually, if you ask the time now, it means you haven't got a mobile phone, doesn't it? I had it yesterday. Someone said, have you got the time? And you, and he looked quite well to do. I mean, maybe he's decided to go off grid. Maybe he's quite, he's just gone. Or maybe his battery. Or his battery died. His battery run out. Yeah, I was talking to a young person. I was in Tel Aviv and I was about to buy a smartwatch. And I said, oh, do you know where the shopping mall is? I can buy it, look for a smartwatch. And they were in their 20s. They went, why would anyone want to watch? Because, <laughs> you know, young people got their phone in their hands all the time. Yeah. You know, checking their Instagram or whatever. It's like, why do you want to? Because I, like, I don't want to have to put my hand in my pocket to, to see the time. Yeah. You know. Look, 
I like wearing a watch. And they're, well, they're nice. They're also, it's jewelry. I don't wear any jewelry. I don't wear rings. Haven't got any tattoos. So the only jewelry I wear, this is accessory. This serves a purpose, right? But a watch is a piece of jewelry as well, right? You wouldn't want an ugly watch, would you? No, no. But we need. I, that's something as well because I used to MC all the time. I never needed a watch, and then what happened? I started to do more sets, and I suddenly was like, "Oh, I need a watch," because I didn't. I don't know how long twenty minutes. I kind of know how long twenty minutes feels, but I kept fucking it up and doing too long. The, the work. Yeah, the worst one is when you forget what time you went on. Oh God! Yeah. 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 <laughs> then you have to go by feeling. You have to go by right. The last time I looked at my watch, it was this time, and then that happened, and then that happened. It's like it's like when you try to measure something against the wall with your just your hands, and you go right. I'm gonna, yeah, and then yeah, you turn yeah. around, <laughs> thinking it'd be the same yeah, size. I use my knob. <laughs> I always use knob. So everything's massive then. Well, uh, it's all it's all for when the, when you're measuring your knob to prove a point about an argument about you being sexually uh, inappropriate previously, because you're like, yeah, I can prove the measurements, but got my knob out and sort of sort of the whole point backfired. <laughs> so yeah, should carry a ruler, carry a ruler for sexual uh, sexual predator allegations. Does this happen a lot to you, Adam? No. <laughs> 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 Yeah, man, mate, that'd be a, that'd no, be a, it doesn't. No, no. This would be a strange podcast. Adam decides to confess. <laughs> so, um, we're talking about ruler. Oh, yeah. Have you ever had a watch stop on you while you're on stage and go masses over time thinking, God, this keeps dragging on, but your watch has stopped? Have you had that one? No. I've had, yeah, the, I've had the one where I, the audience were quite quiet. I thought I'd done maybe 22 and I'd done 40 minutes. Because? Because I just thought, I, I didn't realise how long I'd been on. And I just chunted on. And I thought, I thought it was dragging. That, that, I thought, this is taking ages. And it wasn't when I got, until I got off and Kate went, yeah, you just did 40 minutes. <laughs> oh, God. Wow. Wow. No wonder it's dragging. Yeah. I, I, um, I, one of my favourite things is doing a tough corporate. And you glance down at your watch and you think I've done 15 of my 25. And it's suddenly at 23, and you go, oh, oh God. it was tough, but it went quickly. Yeah. I don't know how it went quickly, but it did. And it happened to me the other day, and I just glanced down and went, I'm done. This pain is finally <laughs> over. And it is painful. I don't know how many, I don't know who knows, anyone listening, uh, if you see a comedian at a, at a corporate gig, and you're like, oh, he's shit, he's not, he's not doing very well. It's not us. It's the environment. <laughs> it's you. Ryan Reynolds here from Mint Mobile. With the price of just about everything going up during inflation, we thought we'd bring our prices down. So to help us, we brought in a reverse auctioneer, which is apparently a thing. Mint Mobile Unlimited Premium Wireless. Ready to get 30, 30, ready to get 30, ready to get 20, 20, 20, ready to get 20, 20, ready to get 15, 15, 15, 15, just 15 bucks a month. So give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. Ever catch yourself eating the same flavorless dinner three days in a row? Dreaming of something better? Well, HelloFresh is your guilt-free dream come true, baby. It's me, Kiki Palmer. Let's wake up those taste buds with hot, juicy pecan-crusted chicken or garlic-butter shrimp scampi. Mm. Hello Fresh. Stop dreaming of all the delicious possibilities and dig in at HelloFresh.com. Let's get this dinner party started. 
Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. Recently, I asked Mint Mobile's legal team if big wireless companies are allowed to raise prices due to inflation. They said yes. And then when I asked if raising prices technically violates those onerous two-year contracts, they said, what the f*** are you talking about, you insane Hollywood ass. So to recap, we're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows full terms at mintmobile.com. Did you read, did you read, the, did you read the, burn, the bonus chapter in my book about corporate? Not yet, no. There's a, okay, there's a chapter at the back. I stuck at the back because it's, it's nothing like the rest of the book. The rest is all about you know, being a better comedian, being pushing yourself artistically. Um, but the corporate bonus chapter is not even numbered. There's 31 chapters and then there's a bonus chapter that's after the thank yous, after the right. uh, after thoughts. And um, it's 16 pages. And I, I genuinely, I mean, it could have been released as a pamphlet on Amazon because it's all the mistakes I've ever made and how to rectify them. If someone had given me that pamphlet when I started out, you know, there's 12 questions to ask the client on the phone. I didn't even used to ring the client. I used to just ah. turn up at the gig know nothing. Yeah, same. A, a five-minute chat with the client, yeah. But I had 12 questions to ask them, and I would always ask those 12 questions. Ah. Do you know, that's interesting. Yeah. yeah. I had a corporate recently, yeah. and it was in a – but it was – it wasn't like in a stuffy kind of – uh, assembly hall it was in a like a cool kind of office which was just behind Oxford Street and it was in the summer and there was a roof terrace and there was a DJ and all that it was really cool um, yeah I wish I had asked them some questions it was still good we had fun but yeah ask the questions so, I do you know what, funnily enough that, that gig there was a close up magician and he did this amazing he did this amazing he said get your phone out get your contacts up he said, right, turn it upside down and do that on the contacts. When I say stop, stop, and then look at your phone, and I will tell you what which contact it is that's on the phone. And he got it right. With every single person in the audience? With everyone in the audience? They did, did it to me. It was like close up. He came up to me. He was going up to people and going, right, get your phone out, do this. Oh. And I don't know how he wow. did it. Because I went, ba 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 And he went, I went like that. I went, all right. And he went, Antonia. And he fucking got it. I thought he was going to say Kate because he knows how few friends you've got. <laughs> it's Domino's. Uh... <laughs> uh, it's either it's either I'm getting two words. It's either Kate or unborn child. One of the two. <laughs> um, but you, because you do all that. That's why. I, that's why I've thought of it because you do. I've you've shown me tricks that to this day I'm still flabbergasted at. Yeah, close-up magic is my my uh, my passion. I think it's good to have another hobby. You know, obviously work's not a hobby, but it's a, a lifestyle. Being a comedian is a lifestyle, right? It's not yeah. it's not a job. It's a lifestyle. You know, you you think of funny thoughts and you write them down. You go on stage and do them. It's a nice existence. But my my other thing is dipping into a pack of cards and trying to create something or having an idea and then trying to solve the puzzle to make the trick work, which yeah. is very much like getting the wording of a joke right, just moving it around and stuff. Yeah, but um. Yes, yeah, so close up magic. I got my friend Adi who who um talking about uh, hobbies. My happiest place was being when I was writing the book. I was just so in, absorbed, and I really hope that inspires people because you cannot wait to get to work mm. when you write a book. You just go. I open my, I wake up in the morning, open my laptop, and be on it for two hours in bed before I turn my phone on. Wow! Because I was so absorbed. Yeah. Just carry on from where you left off. Sleep on it. Look at what you've written and, and tweak it. But the thing is, um, 
that AD pushed me to write a book and now I've inspired him to write a book because he's seen the joy it's given me. So he's got perfect karma there. Push your friend to write a book, friend writes a book, you watch him write a book, then it inspires you to write a book. But I think that, you know, that there's so little expense writing a book if you do it yourself. You know, you, you don't have to have illustrators. You don't have to pay for a proofreader. I recommend you do. But, you know, you can do it. it, it it's, it's you and your screen. It's you and a screen. Of course, there are other obstacles in the way, but not many. Yeah. It, 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 there really aren't. So, you know, I, I just hope people, you know, they say everyone's got a book in them. Um, I, maybe autobiographical or something. I mean, who's going to buy a book about a plumber who had a strange life? It's probably going to be, you know, unseen on Amazon. But I think if you start writing a book, you'll find out what, what you, you don't know how well you can write a book until you try and write a book. No, you know, I I wrote what seems to be a a good book. Um, I didn't know it was going to be a good book when I started it. I would imagine the first draft of the first uh, chapter wasn't wasn't very good at all. You know, you find your persona, you find your style. You, I didn't know what style I was going to write in until I was halfway through it, or maybe a quarter of the way through. Now this seems to be working, and it's almost like finding a persona by gigging and gigging and gigging. Yeah, yeah, you're right. Just got to do it, like anything. You just, you won't know until you start doing it. Like, yeah, like anything. That's why uh, whenever someone says to me, I want to, I want to try comedy. I always say, well, go on then do it. Get, just find an open mic somewhere and go and do it. Try because you, that, that's all you can do. Yeah. But then, then the excuses start. Yeah. But oh, I've just changed my job. Oh, there are no clubs near me. Oh, my wife just had a baby. Oh, um, I mean, the what the worst excuse I ever had guy came up to me and said uh, at the comedy store in London he said I want to do stand-up if you've got any advice I said well the most important advice I can give you is make sure you do it yeah because everyone thinks about doing it and he said well I'm 40 and Mickey Flanagan didn't get big till he was 50 so I figured I've got another 10 years before I have to start oh god <laughs> yeah because Mickey just walked out and started at 40 <laughs> but here's the thing no, he, but he was saying 50, like you're going to become famous at yeah, yeah, your first yeah. gig and become famous. And here's the thing. Even if Mickey did his first gig at 50 and was on, in stadiums a day later, that doesn't mean you're going to. Like, <laughs> I've got 10 years before I have to start. So you're, you're, you're really going to put this off for 10 years. I'm on your 50th birthday go, alarm. Oh, that's my alarm. What's that alarm for? Oh, it's my Mickey Flanagan uh, career path alarm. <laughs> you know, it, it, it's, it's ludicrous, but... But they do, I go to small towns to do a gig and a guy comes up to me or a girl comes up to me. I give them 10 minutes of my time advising them on how to start, all the obvious things to say. And, and then I go back a year later to the same club, same person stand there. They're obsessed with comedy. They go to every single show. Have you done your first gig yet? Not yet. And it's like, well, you're not going to do it. No. If you spend a year, if you, you know, it really upsets me to think that there are very talented people out there who don't make that first leap because that, that, that's the biggest leap. Not, not just because you're have no idea how it's going to go but all your material's brand new in your first gig when you think about yeah. it yeah every bit of your material so arguably the most amount of new material you'll ever do in one gig is your first one <laughs> there's a thought right yeah but, the, but it's, it's a bubble i look at it as a bubble and your first gig is stepping in the bubble once you're in the bubble you're done every gig after that is just another gig they can be harder but the bottom line is you don't have you've done it you've got in that bubble and um, it's a bit like a festival for me. My first gig at a festival is a new bubble. I turn yeah. up my first day in Edinburgh, Montreal. I'm going, I haven't done my show yet. I haven't done a gig yet. And you do your gig. Okay, now come back. I'm in. And it's that bubble. It's crossing, stepping through. Yeah. And um, 
you have to do your first gig. I was my thing was I don't want to be on my deathbed wondering what would happen if I hadn't done my first gig. That's what fueled me to do my first gig. Well, the fact that you did it at such a young age as well, I didn't even it didn't even occur to me back then about being a comic. I didn't even think I loved comedy, had all the videos, but never in a million years did I think I'd be doing it. Didn't even cross my mind. And then, well, you know, right. How old were you? I was uh, 32 when I started. So it was 10 years right. after you. Yeah, I was 20, 23. Well, you know, it's not that young. Ross Noble was 14. Wow. Wow. Ross Noble had to, Ross Noble had to stand in the kitchen of a pub with his mum, and he was only allowed in the pub when they announced his name when he walked on to perform because he wasn't allowed in the pub. Wow. Unless he was a performer. <laughs> yeah. But you have that drive. You knowing you as long as I have and knowing what you've been through over the years, there's always a part of you, no matter how shit things are, you're always, all right, all right, okay, what can we do? Let's, and you're always pushing. You're always pushing forward. And that's that. I find that really inspiring that you've got that in you. That kind of, well, it's just, even at your lowest ebb, even when everything was so, you know, you thought you'd lost everything, everything was gone, you still had something in you that pushed you on. Uh, yeah, I did. I mean, I, 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 I've got. I don't know if you noticed it, but um, I don't um, see myself like that. I, 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 I was. I, I actually don't. Um, this isn't fake humility. I don't. I see. I don't know. I, just, I mean, there, there are loads in your life where you go, right, I've got two choices. I top myself or I find a new way of getting through the day. Mm. And those those pushing things are almost survival techniques. You know, I often wonder if some of the most successful people are actually not so much unhappy, but just unsatisfied. So they go, right, I need to write a book. Right, finish that. Oh, no, I'm bored again. Okay, I'm going to write a film. So I often wonder if the most successful people are actually not, not the happiest, but they're filling a hole. There's a, you know, it'd be nice to just sit at home with your partner watching TV and having a takeaway and going, oh, life's great. But some people just need to to create, achieve. You know, sometimes achieving is a is a replacement for being happy. Yeah, yeah, true. Yeah, but like, but uh, yeah, there's some people I know that that they just, I don't know, they just, there's always excuses. There's always something that makes them not sort of kick on. Or do the thing they want to do, but you just have that in you. You have the energy to go right. I'm going to keep going, keep going, keep going. And you know, I, I mean, you know, I've got some wonderful stories because of you now. Like when I was married before to lovely India, and we woke up after having a bit of a party the night before, and we woke up and you were just sat on the edge of the bed, and you were like, right, <laughs> <laughs> "Is that true?" Uh, yeah, we were like, uh, "Adam," and you were like, "Yeah, yeah, uh, you're all right, mate. You're like, yeah, I want to take you for lunch." And we're like, okay, all right, give us a minute. <laughs> you oh, were sat on, sat on the bed. I remember that day. Yeah, it was lovely. The, 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 no, the weird thing about that night was we were all having a few drinks and a late one. Your son and I both fancied the same girl. <laughs> yeah. Oh, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> My mate Vivian spoke to me about that a few months ago. <laughs> Is she the girl? Is she the girl? No, don't think. Oh, maybe she, no. No, I don't think she was. It's just oh, maybe she dynamic. was. I'm going right. Maybe she was. Huh? But I'm chatting. I'm chatting to this girl. You know, if you if you might see your your competition at a, a gathering, we go. Okay, he likes her too. Chat to this girl. I get up to go to Lou. Come back. 
your son sitting next to her. I'm going, <laughs> could I ask Rich to send his son to his bedroom? <laughs> <laughs> Imagine. Oh, so grounded. <laughs> I remember being, I remember being at a party when I was about 18 and the girl whose party it was came up to me. She lived with her mum. Her mum was at the party too. She went, my mum has just snogged the bloke I snogged an hour ago. Oh, wow. Yeah. <laughs> my mum has just snogged the bloke. Yeah. Nice. Yeah. Uh, I, you know, I remember. So, yeah, so you, there was a time, where were we? Manchester. You'd been gigging somewhere else. And you said you 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 yeah. just started some medication. You were on medication. You just started some. Still am. Are you still on still it? Am. How is it? Yeah, I'm, bi I'm bipolar. Is that what that is? Yes, it's well. Uh, it's uh, I'm I'm I don't talk about this, but I'm very happy to. Yeah. Um, I'm hypomanic, which is the low end of bipolar. So there's hypo manic. A hypo is less than hyper and hypo sounds so similar, but they're very different because there's manic. Then there's hypermanic, which right. is that's the that's the serious one. And then there's hypomanic. So there's three stages of bipolar. I'm the lowest one. I'm trying to wriggle my little finger here. I'm the little. I'm the lowest one. So when um, I got diagnosed as a hypermanic, I wasn't diagnosed until I was mm, early forties. Right. Yeah. Mid forties. Yeah, because this would have been five, six years ago, seven years ago, maybe. Well, I think eight years ago is when I first got diagnosed. But but um, but yeah. But it's you know it's it's not a big deal. I I, I have uh, medication. It's their mood stabilizers, and it's not antidepressants. They're mood stabilizers, right? And they cut off the very top and the very bottom. But no one's noticed any difference in my behaviour. If people said, "Adam, you seem less excitable," then I would well, I'd I'd lower my dosage. But if you if you look up hypermanic in on Wikipedia, it reads the description. Like a chortle review of my comedy. <laughs> I'm not kidding. Really? I'm not kidding. It goes, uh, talkative, bursts of creativity and imagination. And um, you, you just really go, yep, yep, that's me. You know, when I get excited, I talk quicker. You do? Yeah. Yeah. But you were just, so you had just started your medication, I think. And you needed somewhere to stay and you messaged me and went and I went actually yeah I've got to put up bed in the hotel come and crash and you actually and then you came and then you went to you, and you, you actually said don't worry I won't be I won't be myself I'm on new medication I've got sleeping pills or something like that and I've had a, I'm gonna have a glass of wine and I'm gonna crash out once the pills kick in I'll crash out and and you did and you turned up and you were you were lovely and you got into bed and you were just out done and then the morning happened. Yeah. Sorry. Yeah. yeah. Can I just say they're not sleeping pills. My medication as good as knocks you out. Right. So right. I go right. To sleep. I never ever lie awake at night looking up at the ceiling because my medication knocks me out. A glass of wine helps. Um, but yeah. So I remember I, do, I was doing a gig in Manchester, but there's no accommodation provided. Yes. And I said, look, I'm doing a gig in Manchester. Have you got a sofa in your hotel? And you did. But yeah, I'm a good guest because I take my pill and I'm out. You Just were. Bonk. And then the morning happened, and this makes me laugh so much. You Bless you. You really want to tell this story? I'm going to tell him. You really want to tell this story? <laughs> I won't tell him. I'll, I'll save it for the bonus episode. No, no, no. You tell him. It's a subject I'm not comfortable with. Human, well, I don't want to make you uncomfortable. Fluids. No, no, no. You've got to tell now because people are listening. Going no, no, no. The they don't so have to know this. I, I don't want to make you uncomfortable. We won't go into details. 
But what... I'll tell the story then, just to prove I'm not uncomfortable. You tell the um, story. I okay. I um, had uh, a sudden urge to do a poo. <laughs> now I can't stand poo. No. I can't stand the fact that we poo. I, I, if God created us in His image, why didn't the food just evaporate through our pores and be done? The idea that everyone poos it just repulses me, and um, so I don't like talking about poo. But I was suddenly had a burst. That kind of I've got ten seconds to get to Lou, and I told you, which is no problem. Ran to Lou. And I put some music on it. Was the the um, the turtle? It was the turtle. I can't see me loving no, but Tommy Turtle Head. Yeah, turtle heads. which made um, me laugh. Um, I yeah. So I, it was a da 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 loving nobody but you for all my life. Lovely song, right? Yeah. And I tried to put the music on before I go to loose. He would hear it. you heard you heard the <laughs> almighty noise. Immediately followed by bad, 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 bad. So, uh, sorry, I missed it by two seconds. Did I? I couldn't hold basically. So yeah. So it, the music did not serve a purpose at all. But it really. Um, but yeah, that was. It's a wonderful, like we said, it's a wonderful comedic moment, which is why I want to tell the story. It's not about the poo. It's about the fact that you try you tried to cover up what was happening with music, and it was the turtles that came blasting out, and I was just I was lying in bed. Just, and I'm like, it was the turtles. This is amazing. <laughs> uh-huh. this, this, I've done a hundred podcasts. I've never talked about poo or medication. So you've, or, or drug dealing. Oh my God. I'm the medicated drug dealer poo guy. <laughs> you got, this is the beauty of this podcast. You, you know, you end up talking about things you might not necessarily have known you were going to talk about, you know, it all, it all like comes out. You're like, you're like that therapist who managed to get you to admit things you wouldn't, <laughs> but that's the thing but the people that listen to this love the honesty of the guests and you know we are we we are we do open ourselves up on here and that's the point because it helps people understand that no matter what you've gone through no matter what you've done you know you're not the only one we've all we've all done things we've done things we're proud of we've done things we're not proud of you know we all we all shit <laughs> Well, I, I like to think that any girlfriend I've ever had doesn't. But let's uh, <laughs> let's not pop that bubble for me, please. No, come on. It's all right. It's all right. <laughs> so the medication I helps you out I, now. Sorry, what were you going to say? Well, I don't know. I, well, no, I was, was going to say the, the only time my kids came to see me gig um, was at a daytime festival near where they lived and we did the face painting and all the stuff and then they came to my gig and then my eldest daughter was five and she ran backstage when they, she walked to backstage. She saw me in the backstage over t a marquee, and she just ran and jumped into my arms. Went, oh. "Dad, you're the best comedian I've ever seen." Uh, you know, she's only seen like two, the one before me that day. She went, "You're the best comedian I've ever seen." I love that bit you did where about everyone's got a poo inside them. So I did about <laughs> my contempt for, for the fact that we poo. So she quoted a bit, and of course, you know, five-year-old knows about poo and you know, yucky poo, and I, I, I was talking about how everyone's got a poo inside them and and how it disgusts me. But it's just so lovely having a five-year-old daughter quote a bit to you. you know, yeah. She didn't quote the lines. But I love that bit where you say everyone's got a poo inside them. I tell you, it was lovely. When um, we arrived at the, the tent just to check it was a doable gig so I could relax and then go and do the face painting and everything. And there was a comedian on stage who wasn't doing very well. And the crowd weren't acknowledging it. They were just chuckling politely. And he wasn't acknowledging it. He was just plowing through his stuff. And he wasn't doing well. He was having like a two out of ten gig. And my daughter just leant across to me without moving a lip. So she moved her head slightly closer to mine so I could hear her. And without moving her lip, she went, it's not very funny. 
like that. And it, 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 it's like the Empress New Clothes because no one's laughing, but no one's calling it. She's like, I'm not finding this guy funny. <laughs> yeah. Am I supposed to be laughing at this? <laughs> yeah, it's lovely. It's lovely. John John Mann said he was at a children's party once and the entertainer's doing his stuff and the magic tricks and the puppets and whatever. And this girl put her hand up and he went, yes. She went, um, when's it going to get good? Oh. And it doesn't matter how long you've been doing it. That's going to still cut you. That's going to cut you. Well, the, the, the cutting thing is she didn't mean any malice by it. She just ge genuinely wanted to know when it was going to get good. Um, Ed, Ed, Ed Byrne, Tom, he was at a, um, a late show in Sydney, Australia, about 20 years ago. And there's a woman who fell asleep on her chin, fell asleep drunk on her chin. And without knowing she'd woken up because she didn't open her eyes, Ed's doing his gig. And then she just went, blah, blah, blah. <laughs> oh, God. No I... comeback. No comeback. No, you can't. I, I, I've said this before, but I remember doing one of the various Zoom gigs that we did. And you couldn't always see everybody on the screen. So there was, you could, there were, you know, some people that on a, you had to like slide it across to see everybody. Um, and I don't know where it came from. And I don't think they realized that their mic was on and I'm doing my thing. And this voice just went, Oh God. <laughs> <laughs> I just, I was like, Oh yeah, I, I feel, I, I know how you feel. I did a New Year's Eve zoom gig. And there was a magician on after me. And magic's very good for Zoom because you've got the perfect camera angle. So they can do stuff, you know, rather than signing a playing card, they can ask you to say a word or a number and then they fold the card up and it vanishes and it appears somewhere else. And, you know, Zoom magic's good because they, they, they know everyone's got the same angle. You don't have to worry oh, about the yeah. person you see slightly differently. And um, it did a great set. But the, the MC said, um, don't go don't go away after Adam because um, we've got a magician on in a few minutes. And on the group chat, someone wrote, I hate magicians. <laughs> and um, <laughs> poor bloke, he's all ready to go on stage. Oh, no. And he's, got, he's, he's been texted by his audience that they hate what he does before he's gone on. Yeah, <laughs> brutal. <laughs> I, I was talking to Kerry Marks about this the other day, about, uh, the other week about magic. Do you, because he was saying now, like, bef you know, before the internet, you know, there was the you know they got you've, you've got the magic circle and everything was secret and you know you, you don't tell people how it's done. But now everything's out there. Do you, I, it's I, awful. Yeah, it's, it's awful. People have not got people have not got the right to give away the secret to a trick that they bought that someone else created. It's awful. Yeah. Um, you can you can start to Google. I mean, I just on a card trick once and they came back and they said, "Oh, I've worked out how it's done." And I said, "How?" And they said, "Well, I googled the keywords and it was on YouTube." And that's just, and you know, there should be a, there should be a little bit more respect with the garden. You know, people buy a gimmick, a secret magic gimmick that does something, and then they perform it on YouTube because they're so eager to show. And the gimmick appears, you know, this little little metal appears like that under their sleeve or whatever. You yeah, know what yeah. I mean? It's like, no. <laughs> well, that's it because uh, someone. It's all very well, like you know, you can now buy these tricks, and there's there's some that every you know. But some, but one person, there was a person that came up with that. They put a lot of work in, in how to work it out. I've watched you do it. I watched you at the creek. You would sit in there working one out, and it it, 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 someone put a lot of blood, sweat, and tears into that, and then you just went, "Oh yeah, it's done like this," and it's like it's really horrible. I, I like, I used to like it. I like the, I might not, but you know, not believing in magic, but 
I used to like, I, I think the world was a better place when, you know, magic was a thing, like a real thing. What, yeah, the other thing is, as a kid, my favourite thing in the world was go to the magic shop, Davenport's, before it was in um, Charing Cross, a ma famous magic shop. It was in Holborn. And you go in there, there'd be old Houdini posters and there'd be cabinets with, you know, antique things in the magic world. In it, and it was so exciting. And then we got to the counter and I'd be like wide-eyed and my dad would, he'd talk about what he wanted and the guy would say, okay, well, how about this? And show me a, tr me a trick and I'd be like blown or I, I saw we all made it. Then you buy it and you sit down and you read the secret and you could do it. And um, now you see it on a website, you know, a YouTube link, and then you click on buy, and this big company that's posting stuff out globally. And I'm like, yes, you still get the trick, and yes, you still see it, but being demonstrated something in a shop that's magical is a, a, it's an experience that children are, and teenagers are, uh, and all magicians are not getting anymore. And that's you know, just one of the many things that the internet has taken the charm out of. Yeah. Yeah, I know. And I, which is why I think I was so blown away by the guy at the, at the corporate gig with the phone, because he's now taken like a modern, he's now, he's now taken uh, magic into the 21st century and he's using mobile phones and away. It's still, I don't know how he did it. I don't want to know how he did it. You know, I just, I was happy. I'm happy knowing that I don't know how he did it. You looked at your contacts on your phone that he hadn't touched. Yeah. It, I got my phone out. He said, get your contacts up. And I did. He said, right, put it face down like that, holding it. He said, go like that. So your contacts go up and down. He's like, you're like, you're skimming them up and down. He said, and then stop. And I will tell you which one it stopped on. Unbelievable. And, he, and, it, was, and, and it was Antonio. And I don't know how he did it. I don't know. I don't know. I've, and I fucking love that I don't know. And Antonio's not the first name in your contacts? No. There's like a couple of others before that. Oh, it was amazing. It was amazing. But that's what I love. And it made me happy that... I love it when a magician does... Like when you get that, the one where you've been holding the card the entire time. And then he goes, right, show me that, show me that card. And it's changed. And you go, I don't know how you did that. I don't know how you did that. I've been holding that the entire time. I love that. I tell you what's funny. So, you know, I've been doing magic longer than I've been in comedy. When I see a world-class magician and they baffle me, it's great because it reduces you to being that child in the magic shop. Yes. It's a bit like when a comedian makes you, makes you laugh because it's harder to be made to laugh now. You know the mechanics and whatever. So, you know, I talked about in my book, when I'm watching a comedian, I'm thinking that word should be there, that should be there balloon pops in the wrong place you know word smuggle these all these phrases i've come up with to describe methods and i said when i when i'm watching a comedian who operates on a higher plane than myself i'm not doing that you know when i'm watching sean Locke, i'm just going that's hilarious when i'm watching phil k improvising i'm just thinking that's hilarious it just takes somebody doing something that much better for me to switch off the under yeah. the surface understanding what's going on and this is like when watching a good magician i watched a great magician the other day and i saw real magic the whole time i didn't know how anything he did was done nothing i saw brilliant 15 minutes of real magic i had a fit of giggles because my body couldn't cope with <laughs> what i just seen this that there was a guy there's a guy in olverston up at the he, i met him at the laurel and hardy museum and he does he does magic and things and we would myself and Garrett Miller it was outside this pub and he came and sat with us and he just started doing it and I that that was lovely and he was the one that he and he went right hold that and he did blah, 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 blah. he goes all right and 
he goes, what, what, what's your card? And he has that. And then, blah, blah, blah. And then he went, right, and show me your card. And then it was different. And I'm like, we've just been sat here. I had the card the entire time. How did you do that? I didn't feel it. I know there's ways of, like, change. I don't even want to know how he did it. It was, it was fucking great. And it is that. It's that. It took me back to being a child. That feeling of, 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 wow, Father Christmas does exist. You know, that, whatever you believe, you know. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I love that. Adam, this has been amazing. Thank you for doing oh, this. Oh, lovely. I've had a lovely chat. Thank you for having me. Mate, it's thank been... Thank you for having me. Thank you for... Um... Thanks for bigging my book up. Oh, as well. mate, listen. Uh, the book is this one, uh, everybody. Uh, Finding your comic genius, and it's available on Amazon. Um, and it's, it's it's smashing it, Adam. It's everywhere. I love it. Thank you so much. It's been great, Adam. Where can we find you on the socials? If you want, uh, to. I've just joined Instagram. I've just well, I joined Instagram seven weeks ago to promote my book, maybe eight weeks ago. So I'm at Adam Bloom Comedy, um, and I, I need to put more clips up because I'm putting a lot of. Do you know? I can't tell what I do. I put adverts up around the world, so I put the same advert up, but targeting different cities. So people who follow me are going, "Why is he putting the same clip up? The same advert up?" Because I'm I'm sponsoring it for different cities. So please oh. forgive me if you're seeing the same advert come up. It's not me repeating material. Well, God, he hasn't changed his set in two weeks on Instagram. <laughs> so yeah, it's, it's targeting. But yeah, I, I, I'm, I'm, I'm at Adam Bloom Comedy, and there's some clips of me on Instagram. It's fun, isn't it? Instagram. It's, it's, I love Instagram. It's so late to the game. I love Instagram. It's definitely my favourite out, out of all of them. Um, this has been lovely, Adam. Uh, as always, it's been a joy. Hopefully, we'll see each other very soon. Um, this has been insane in the membrane. This has been Adam Bloom. I've been Rich Wilson. And we'll see you next time. Insane in the membrane. Ever catch yourself eating the same flavorless dinner three days in a row? Dreaming of something better? Well, HelloFresh is your guilt-free dream come true, baby. It's me, Kiki Palmer. Let's wake up those taste buds with hot, juicy pecan-crusted chicken or garlic-butter shrimp scampi. Mm. Hello Fresh. Stop dreaming of all the delicious possibilities and dig in at HelloFresh.com. Let's get this dinner party started. Hello, this is Danny Pellegrino, host of the Everything Iconic podcast, and I'm here to tell you all about Splash Refresher, because hydration is mandatory, but boring is not. Now, I love my water, but if I don't spice it up, I'm not going to finish what I took out of the fridge. That's why I love my Splash Refresher, which is flavorful, delicious, bright, hydrating, and zero calories. The wild berry flavor is my fave. No, wait. Is the pineapple mango flavor my fave? You know what? All five craveable Splash Refresher flavors are my fave because they're so delicious. So get hydrated and enjoy it with Splash Refresher. ACAST powers the world's best podcasts. Here's a show that we recommend. The Real Housewives is a guilty pleasure for most, but if you're looking to not feel guilty about that pleasure, tune in to Everything Iconic with me, Danny Pellegrino, where I break down all the messy moments and behind-the-scenes antics of Bravo's popular franchise. And on Everything Iconic, I also interview celebrity guests like Kelly Ripa, Kiki Palmer, Drew Barrymore, Cameron Diaz, and more about their guilty pleasures, their past work, and so much more. So if you're pop culture obsessed and find yourself watching way too much reality TV like me, tune in to Everything Iconic with Danny Pellegrino, wherever you listen to podcasts. 
Acast helps creators launch, grow, and monetize their podcasts everywhere. Acast.com. Made by DarkHorseDigital.co.uk. Shooting, live streaming, and podcast production.